Welcome to Small Talk, a podcast hosted by Boston Children's Hospital nurses, where we explore the BCH community through conversation. My name is Denise Downey, and I'm the Nursing Professional Development Specialist from the Emergency Department. And along with me today are my co-hosts. Say a few words. Hi, I'm Teresa Shannon. I am the Unit Nurse Education Coordinator for Inpatient Medicine on Nine East. I'm Kate Dunvin. I'm the Clinical Director of Innovation for Inpatient Medical Programs and the Intermediate Care Program. And for today's episode, we're going to learn more about the Transition to Nursing Practice Program with our special guests, Lauren Danforth and Stephanie Cummings. So guys, I'll give you a moment to introduce yourselves. Lauren, maybe let's start with you. Hi, everyone. My name is Lauren Danforth. I am a senior nursing professional development specialist at Boston Children's Hospital. I'm in a centralized role in our clinical education informatics practice and quality department. And along with Stephanie, we are the co-facilitators for the Transition to Nursing Practice program. And hello, my name is Stephanie Cummings. I am also a nurse and professional development specialist on our clinical education informatics and practice and quality team. Well, thank you for joining us today. This is going to be a great discussion. I just know it. Can we just start with the question, what is the Transition to Nursing Practice Program? Can you tell us really what it is? Uh, The TNP program is our accredited nurse residency program. We are accredited through the American Nursing Credentialing Center, ANCC. And uh, the program is really kind of, I think of it always as two pieces. There's the centralized function that Stephanie and I facilitate, which are class days um, where they come, where the nurse residents come together and learn about a variety of topics at Boston Children's Hospital. And then there's the the precepted um, clinical environment that the nurse residents experience in whatever areas they get hired into. So Lauren, when you say the program is accredited, what does that mean? There are several accrediting bodies for nurse residency programs within the United States. And we went with ANCC for our accrediting body um, in 2020. And so we the ANCC has a very extensive uh, manual that you have to write a self-study to. And that self-study is explaining your program, telling about your program. And they have very specific criteria that you need to meet in order to become accredited. And that criteria is all based on the literature. So over you know the decades of research that's been done around the transitional period from a student nurse becoming a professional nurse. And so that's what our whole, you know, what the program is about. And so everything that we had to write about the program was in that document. And then ultimately we had a virtual visit where we have appraisers who come in and talk to everyone who's involved in the program. After all of that, they said, we won and we got accreditation with distinction. That's amazing. So being very modest because that extensive document that she's talking about is about 500 pages long. (laughs) Quite, quite extensive. Yeah, it's a lot of writing. (laughs) If I remember correctly, we also got the accreditation with the first try. So do people often get it on their first application or does it usually take more than one? It's called the Practice Transition Accreditation Programs, PTAP. um, That's under the ANCC. I'd say that they're a very friendly group. They will always support their applicants through the process. So luckily for us, there were no delays in the process and everything that we submitted was what they needed. There's that part that's great. But I, you know, in terms of they they don't generally deny people, but there might be some, you know, accreditation with contingencies and we didn't have that. When did the TNP program actually start? 
the TMP program itself started in the fall of 2018. Um, we had had a new grad orientation program that began in 2006. That program was really clinically focused and it was targeting inpatient floor nurses. In 2018, what we wanted to do was be more inclusive of all of the practice environments that saw newly licensed nurses. And so we changed the curriculum around quite a bit to make sure that we could have all participants from every area in the hospital join. And that was quite a feat to go from a structured clinical class curriculum to pulling that stuff out, separating it out, making sure that people were still getting the clinical information they needed, but then also trying to make sure that we were talking about all the other things that happened during the transitional year. To recap, what you said that any new graduate nurse who's coming into Children's can join the program from any practice setting? That's correct. I, we say can join, but we might make them join. I think in some area, there are some programs where people apply for the program and maybe if they don't get into the residency program, they can still take a new grad position within that facility. But for us, we felt it was really important to make sure it included everyone. And so um, we don't give our newly licensed nurses the option. We say that this is something that um, that you're going to participate in because we know it will benefit you. And we here define our new graduates as anyone with less than a year of experience. So we have had applicants who are participants who have done six months at another institution and then transfer here as an employee. Um, and since they're under that one year of experience, they would qualify also to join our program. That's good to know. So they don't have to be right out of school. They can have a little bit of experience under their belt, but yet still be considered as a new grad. Uh -huh. How often is the program offered? I know you have a couple of different cohorts throughout the year. So we offer five cohorts a year, which is a big reason as to why I am here now. Historically, Lauren, when she started the program in 2018, there were actually only three cohorts, which I wouldn't say was easy to manage, but I guess was manageable by one person, which she did a great job at. But the decision was made that for 2022, the number of cohorts would increase to five. And so that's where I came in. Um, it was just recognized that that was going to add a lot of additional work and needed some additional supports. So I joined Lauren in that adventure. But the cohorts right now are offered in March, May, August, September, and November. So the May and September cohorts were the new addition for 2022. Historically, August was a really large group because of how it aligned with nursing school graduation and then giving participants time to study for the NCLEX, get an exam date, take the exam, and then get their licensing all in place. So August was always a really large cohort. So that's why the addition of September was there just to kind of capture additional people and ensure that we were had availability of positions for a number of people. The idea for May was just that March and August were pretty far apart. And so were we potentially missing people who would qualify or would want to come to a program that had a transitional program in place or a nurse residency in place. And so that May date was added to ensure that we were capturing graduations throughout the year. The other thing that I think is a different, a little bit of a different shift that happened with the pandemic is that, you know, it used to be that I think people really took this traditional, I graduate, I study for the NCLEX, I take the NCLEX and I want to start working. And with the pandemic, that changed a bit. And so adding in May was another way for people who maybe passed the NCLEX but didn't really want to take a job right away. They were trying to see where the work culture and climate was going to go. Again, as Stephanie was saying, making sure that we do have availability to capture those people um, who we were otherwise missing. 
was just curious, how many people do you have in a cohort? Have you had to cap them at all? We did. So historically, the program was averaging around mid-20s for a number of participants. But um, over the last couple of years, the program has certainly grown, which is was another need for increasing the number of cohorts that we were offering. And now we're seeing closer to mid-30s to 40 participants per program. With this August and September cohort, we were anticipating about 75 participants. And we needed to figure out a way that we could obviously still hold the program, um, but also provide supports to all of the participants and ensure that we were having an opportunity to get to know them a little bit more personally. And with larger numbers, obviously that makes it really hard. We had to think about you know, classroom size. Um, we run a couple of simulation days and for us to be in SEM all together, that really did limit how many participants we could have. So we've put a non-hard stop, I would say around 40. That being said, our September cohort is is 41 participants. We're certainly going to cut off one person. We decided that we would separate it by practice setting so that at least if you were in the program, you would get to stay with the people that you are working close with in the clinical environment. We didn't want to separate because there was some talk about, you know, once we hit 40, then the next after that, uh, they'll all start in August, TNP. And then after 40, then the, the rest of them will start in September. But then we decided that that may not work out so well. Um, and also probably makes for a scheduling nightmare from all of your sides at the, on the education team and the clinical environments. With that being said, May only has eight participants in it. But we think that it was the first time that we've had a May cohort. And so we were wondering if maybe recruitment wasn't as high at that time because historically there never was a lot of recruitment at that time. Um, we do not anticipate that's how this year is going to look. But there, so all of our cohorts right now are about mid thirties minus the May cohort. And would you say most of the units or most of the practice areas from the hospital are well represented? We do have pretty good representation right now because of the August September split. We did. The August cohort is our critical care areas. So it's our all the ICUs, all four ICUs have representation, the emergency department. And we do also have the OR in there. They're a very specialized service. And so um, we recognize that the other practice areas that I just described are also very specialized. So we do have some OR participants in that cohort where September is more of our uh, medical surgical units. So all the 10th floor, 90th, 7th, the 6th floor has representation in that group. But I would say historically, we do have pretty good representation. We have not historically had a lot of representation in the ambulatory settings, mostly because they're very specialized. There's maybe not as much like clinical support. Well, I would say the other part that is really challenging is trying to orient a new grad in that environment. And um, they also are and typically in the ambulatory setting. They're not challenged to find people to fill those positions because experienced nurses are vying for some of that, you know, stability in their schedule. And so there's just not a great need there. You know, there are challenges with triage over the phone which is a very, one of the big roles that you have in the ambulatory setting. So if you don't have the experience of not of seeing patients in the clinical setting and having built your assessment skills, then doing it over the phone is really, really challenging. Would you say that given the current climate of this nursing staffing shortage that we're experiencing, that you'll be asked to take on more participants in each cohort in the upcoming months or years? 
mean, Lauren and I talk about this quite a bit. We think that where we are and having seen the increase in numbers in participants over the last year or two, that we're going to continue to see that. I don't think that we're going to back down off of our, our new graduate population. I think there's a lot of benefit to having newly licensed nurses in our environments because they are very eager to learn. They want to learn. They want to succeed. Um, and practice areas, especially those that are really specialized, it's really great for them to have an opportunity to learn right out of school exactly the clinical care that you need to provide in those areas. So I do think that we will continue to see really high numbers of participants. I don't know. I, I don't, we haven't had this conversation. So Lauren can have this with me right now for the very first time. I think if we found ourselves in a place where we were really increasing our hires, that we would more likely add cohorts than make really large cohorts. More so, again, just because of the challenges with finding classroom space that accommodates everybody. When we want to have simulation experiences, we know that right now there's really four room rooms over in the simulation lab that allow for us to part, do some of that hands-on education. And realistically, you can't have more than 10 participants in each room. So that also limits us. Certainly, we've gotten creative in the past and can be creative about making sure that we're capturing everybody and providing education to large groups of people. Having such large groups can present its own challenges. And so I think just in the conversations we've had, we'd probably like to try to avoid having any any sizes larger than that 40 to 45 range. One thing that's really important is providing peer support. And when you get these large groups together, it does make it more challenging to create connections and, um, you know, having those conversations that we do as like, a, you know, group conversations. And we use a variety of teaching strategies, but I think even Stephanie and I could probably share that today, our group size, just due to a lot of circumstances, was only 24 people. And that lent itself to more just casual conversation during the day and the ability for people to feel comfortable and speak up and share stories than it does when we had a group of um, that 41 a couple of weeks ago in which no one wants to say anything, you know, that, that larger size group is more intimidating. And so for us, we really don't want to get any bigger because it does make that part of it, you know, just it, it feels more like it becomes the lecture hall versus us coming together and sharing our experiences. That totally makes sense. And I'm also curious, too, when you said the TNP program started back, you know, a few years ago and then COVID hit, how did that impact how you were teaching and also your cohort size? It was terrible. <laughs> um, you don't I, like to <laughs> I really struggled when we um, when we moved to Zoom. And so, gosh, that was almost a year and a half of classes that were entirely on Zoom. That was really hard. And then we did do simulation experiences, but we had them do small groups and we would actually have them after class. And so you'd be on remote class for six hours. And then I'd have people, we'd like all meet at the sim lab and we'd have a small group do simulation for a couple of hours. And uh, for me, I was going in week after week after week to accommodate all these people to get into the simulation lab. It was great for getting to know people, especially since, you know, there was so much time that we spent on Zoom, but it was also just a bit exhausting. So I can tell you like my favorite thing, I almost wish I had a recording of it. The first in-person class that we had um, with a new cohort, 
in 20, March of 2020 is when we moved to remote classes. And then it was August of 2021 when we finally came back. And just the buzz of people chatting with each other and meeting each other and just being able to like walk up to someone new and say hi. It was so nice. It was like made me so happy. <laughs> so I am all for the in-person experience. I think it's just it's so much better. And I had nurse residents who would share with me, you know, because we'd put them into breakout rooms and you'd think, well, breakout room is similar. You get to go and have a chat with someone just like you might if you were sitting behind them or next to them. But I had nurse residents who reach out to me and they would share like the breakout room was so awkward because the other person turned off their camera or they might be on their phone. You know, if we'd answer a question, that's what they they'd just answer. It and then it would be like mute and they wouldn't talk anymore. And so it seems that that is less likely to happen in person. There's just organic conversation. So it's much better when we can be together. So what I'm hearing is that you prefer in person as opposed to remote. Just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Can you tell us about the classes that you teach? I know we talk about, you know, the curriculum and the topics that you choose. I'm just curious about the topics that you've chosen and why you've chosen them. Sure. So um, each cohort has, over the course of 12 months, gets together for nine class days. Class days are six hours long. We run them from 7.30 to 1.30. And typically, we always start with a well-being and peer support activity. So for instance, this morning, we did an activity with a group um, called Personal Consultation, where they were able to share a challenge that they were experiencing in their clinical area, something that was either, it was a clinical challenge, an interpersonal challenge, um, just something that they were, had been thinking about. So they would share their experience with another new grad who would then in return, give them advice on how they should handle that or work through that situation or how maybe they should could handle it in the future if it came up again. And so they had an opportunity to talk to three different participants and get three pieces of advice. And then they switched roles. So then, then you would share your story and then you would talk to three different people and they would give you advice. So by the end of the program, you've talked to six different people. You've gotten to know six different people and maybe... Um, in sharing your story, you learn something about how they do something in the emergency department, or you learned, you know, what the culture is like in the CICU. Um, and so we're hoping that through story sharing and having opportunity to talk with each other, that they are getting a better sense of the institution as a whole. They're getting more of that bird's eye view as to how things are run. Um, so that's typically how we start our every day. And then each day has a theme. For instance, we obviously on the first day, it's a program overview. So what the expectations are for the program meeting and talking to other people and then the like need to know basics once you go into the clinical environment so what are the expectations around patient safety what's your learning style we do a learning style assessment we provide that information to their preceptors so that um, hopefully the preceptor is incorporating how the new grad has identified they prefer to learn we know that the research doesn't support that you have one learning style we should be incorporating all of them but certainly people have preferences. And so we want to share that with preceptors so that they're getting the most out of their orientation. As the program goes on, we we invite a, a number of guest speakers. And then Lauren and I obviously do a lot of educating as well. But we want to make sure that they're feeling welcomed and enculturated and they know everything that it means to be an employee at Boston Children's. So that would include having uh, a representative from HR come and talk about what our benefits look like and our employee assistance programs. And so that would be KGA. There's somebody from Fidelity come to talk to them about retirement. Um, but we also obviously focus a lot on 
the things that they need to succeed in their clinical environment. So communication skills and tools. We review IPASS and SBAR because those are expectations throughout the institution. We talk about chain of command and escalating your concerns um, and how you would go about doing that. We do a workshop on how to have a difficult conversation. So maybe that's with your preceptor or a parent or another uh, someone on the interprofessional team. Um, we talk about time management and there's just a lot of things, a, a lot of overarching um, themes and, and categories, things that we talk about. Because one of the challenges for Lauren and I is we really need to be providing education that cross covers a number of practice settings. And so that can be really challenging when there's 10 units that are represented in the classroom. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're giving them tangible uh, pieces of information that are going to help them succeed in their clinical environment. And we know from the research that there are certain things that new grads struggle with um, as they transition from student to professional nurse. And so we want to make sure that we're providing education about those things. And so a lot of the themes that you'll see in our in our classroom do revolve around that well-being, peer support, um, communication skills, their time management, ethical concerns, uh, critical thinking, and then being a member of an interprofessional team. That's a lot, but those are typically the themes that we have for each day. And we really want to focus on those because we know that they're challenging. They're challenging for the experienced nurse sometimes. And so if we can give them some of that foundational knowledge, we're hoping that it will, we're supporting them to build that foundation and build their career off of that. We talk about these things, like Stephanie said, there's a lot of them. In a six-hour class day, we might be covering eight to 10 different ideas. And part of it is to say, if we sit and lecture at you all day long, you're probably not going to retain the information, right? So here's some basic information. Maybe here's an activity to go along with it. Here are the resources that are available to you. And Stephanie always does this phenomenal job of sending a follow-up email that has like all of the resources and things we talked about today so that people have that available to them so they can go back and reference it. But it is a lot of information that we share um, just saying like, we're trying to make your job a little bit easier, right? This is a challenging transitional time and there's a lot of things that you are expected of you and you probably don't even know that are expected of you. And we're trying to give you anything that we can to help with that. Have you gotten feedback from the participants about what they either liked a lot? What are their thoughts on the program? We get lots of feedback. We sure do. We do a validated survey that we, we send out at the beginning, middle, and end of the program. And then additionally, we we do what I call a spot check. So that might just be like an um, index card. And I'm like, write one thing that you really like so far. Write one thing that you are, think is missing or that you'd like to change. And, uh, and then we'll do intermittent class evaluations just to make sure that our speakers are giving the information that we think they should be giving and that the participants want to hear. So there is a lot of feedback. And it's really interesting because I think the reviews can be really mixed. We might do something um, like a resiliency talk and we'll get three people who said that was amazing. It gave me so many great things to think about. And then three people said, will say, I don't need to hear this anymore. I've heard it so many times. I'm not interested. It's hard to know who you're you know, capturing, but Stephanie and I always lean towards. I mean, if we were able to make an impact for three people, like that's what we're looking to do, right? Like we're you know, we want to, the people that we're providing the information and opportunities for, if they're able to take that and walk away and do their job better just from hearing it, then that's what we're, we're looking for. If I ever get a lot of people, a majority saying like, this was terrible, that's when we would reevaluate and be like, all right, we thought this was a really great idea, but 
I guess it's not resonating with you. I think of one of the lectures that we recently decided to cut out was by one of our colleagues. And I think she's an incredible presenter and it was very entertaining. But the information about nurse sensitive indicators just didn't seem to be coming through. And so, you know, we think, well, this is really important. You should know this. But to them, it just wasn't what they were thinking about. So wasn't the right timing. And so we just decided that, you know, that's not what they need right now. And they will probably want it later on, but it's not meeting their needs right now. We tell them this on the first day too, that we follow the 80-20 rule so that 80% of the content that we cover is going to be relevant and applicable to you. But, you know, 20% of the time it might not be. And that's because it's not applicable to your practice area or not as prevalent in your practice area, but it is in this area and they really need the education. And so during those times, we just ask that you're respectful and understanding and you give the other participants some time to, to engage in that topic one of which has certainly been identified is a need around behavioral health education. It's just, it is a population of patients that we see in every, almost every practice area, um, but certainly they're not seeing them in the NICU, they're not seeing them in the OR. You know, maybe it doesn't pertain to those two practice areas, but we know how important it is to all of our other practice areas. And again, we just ask that there's some recognition that's not always going to be applicable to you but that we want to make sure we're meeting the needs of every participant as often as possible. And that's a tough job to do because you have an audience that is coming from all different backgrounds and they're going to different practice areas. And yeah, how do you meet the needs of all of the participants who are all sitting in one room at one time? We often get feedback about trying to incorporate more clinical skills and clinical information into the program. And we hear that feedback and we do try really hard to find ways that we can incorporate some of those topics into the program. But again, it becomes so challenging in the sense that the way they do it in the ED might be different than the way they do it in the ICU, might be different from the way they do it in the OR, from ADs or whatever it might look like. We feel that specific clinical knowledge really should come from the units. So they're getting exactly what the expectations are from your practice setting. What is the policy that your your unit is well-versed in and follows on a regular basis? And certainly we're happy to provide additional education if that's needed. If somebody is feeling really lost about a specific clinical skill, our backgrounds are nursing. So we've had the bedside skills and we have that clinical knowledge. And so we're happy to do that education if someone's really looking for it. But in a classroom setting, it just becomes really difficult um, to make sure that we're providing education, again, that's relevant to everybody or useful to everybody um, and crosses all of the practice area. You guys talk a lot about your role as teacher in front of the classroom, simulation facilitator, instructor. What other roles do you play as a TNP coordinator, facilitator, educator? I call myself an unlicensed therapist. And <laughs> Stephanie and I do a lot of coaching around people who are having challenges in the clinical environment. Maybe they're interpersonal challenges with their preceptors or um, just other people that they've been working with. We also do a lot of coaching around feeling you know, anxious and how to manage the pre-shift anxiety and how to manage, you know, Working with the interprofessional team, there's a lot, you know, a lot of our newly licensed nurses really struggle with communicating with the physicians and nurse practitioners in their areas. And so we will, you know, they'll come to us and say, I had this situation happen and what do I need to do? 
you know, we'll have oh, so much. We have so many people who come and say, I got this feedback from my preceptor or I didn't get this feedback from my preceptor, but I'm feeling like there are things that, you know, I don't know where I stand or I don't know what's going on. And how do I ask the right questions to make sure I get the right information? I would say, yeah, we spend some time in the classroom, most of a lot of time on the back end trying to help coach people when they're struggling in areas that aren't the education piece that are so black and white. But it sounds like the way that you're supporting them, that they really trust you and that they actually come to you with their problems. And I feel like in your role as a TNP program, that's huge for these new folks to know that there's someone that they can trust outside of the unit where they're working, you know, that there's someone else that's got their back, basically, and helping them meet their needs. Yeah, we certainly hope so, because we are and want to be as supportive as possible, because we do know that it's challenging. And we would probably like to think that we are closer to that time period in our lives than we actually are. But it's been a little bit since we were new grads. We try to be very transparent about what our experiences were um, and some of the challenges that we faced not only as a new grad, but during certain times in our career to kind of normalize that it is a challenging career field to be in. It's very rewarding um, and it's a great profession and it's a great institution to work for. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have periods of struggle. We know from the research that um, this transitional period from student to newly licensed nurse is very challenging. And there are often a lot of transitions that a new grad is going through at the same time. You know, not only are they starting their professional career, but it might be the first time they stepped foot in Boston Children's, or it might be the first time that they've lived away from home and are, you know, paying their own bills for the first time. The first time they're thinking about retirement and benefits and what am I supposed to do? And so there's a lot of stress and anxiety that professionally and personally that is going on during this time in your life. And so we do recognize that and we want to support them. And we acknowledge that it can be a very challenging period of time. And we build in that one-on-one -on -one support time. At the end of every class day, we always stay behind so that people can come and talk to us. We provide them with our cell phone numbers and email addresses. Like, please reach out because we do want to help support you. And that is certainly part of our role. So we hope that people feel well-supported and then are coming to us when they need to. That's quite a responsibility. I joke a lot, like, oh, nursing school didn't teach you this. You know, like, we'll talk about something. I say, no one taught you that in nursing school. It's easy to talk about things in theory, but when you're in person, even it's harder to think about how do I respond to that? So someone was sharing a story about a mom and a patient who had an unfortunate circumstance and, and how the, some of the things the mom said to her, she said, I, I couldn't respond. I just went blank. Like, I couldn't respond. And I was like, see, they don't teach you that in nursing school. And sometimes for Stephanie and I, I'm like, they they don't teach us how to do these things. We do, You just fall into it, right? That's just what you have to do. But I think we do a pretty good job. So do any of your graduates come back to you years later and say, hey, Lauren, or hey, Steph, once you told me, blah, 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 and I just want you to know that that was really helpful. I do have people who come back to say, I'm so glad that we went through the program and I'm so glad for all the support you provided. I don't think I've yet had anyone to say, I really remember everything that you taught me about high reliability. But maybe one day. <laughs> 
Um, I did have a nurse from one of our recently graduated cohorts who did approach me at the end of their graduation day and just said, I'm really intrigued by the education realm. I obviously want to get more clinical skills down, but it's certainly something that I find a lot of interest in and would like to explore in my future. And I was hoping that you might be able to share more of your experience with me and potentially be a mentee, a mentor to me. And we continue to have regular conversations and check-ins. And so that's been a really nice thing for us or for me personally, um, especially since I'm new to newer to the role. But I will say one of the feedback pieces that has really been impactful is some of those nurses who are transitioning to our institution from other institutions often come up to us and say, hey, I just want you to know, I started my new, like new, new grad at this institution and they did not provide nearly as much support and education. And I feel so much better being here and being part of a residency program. And it's like something you don't even know that you need until you realize, until you get it. And then you're like, wow, if I had only had this, maybe I would have had been more successful in another area. But Obviously, we're glad they came to us and and we love hearing that feedback because it really does support that we are making an impact and hopefully helping people as they, again, transition in that first year of practice. I want to shift gears a little bit and ask each of you, really, what is it about the job that you love so much? I can start it. So uh, a little bit of my background, I was an emergency room department nurse here for eight years. And I loved that. I really did. It was my calling in life and my a strong passion of mine. And it was an important role to me. And Denise, and if you've listened to the precepting podcast, you'll know this about me already, but I loved precepting. It was one of my favorite roles in the, in the emergency department. And so education had always been really important to me, but precepting really kind of pushed that how important education was to me. And so I had gone back to school to get my master's in education. Um, at which point I met Lauren and she precepted me as part of the transition to practice program. I was able to um, observe some of the classes. I created a lecture for the program and um, had some exposure there. And I realized that I also had this other part of me that was just really passionate about education and specifically the new grad population. New grads were always my favorite population to precept in the, in the emergency department. There's just so much to learn. And I loved teaching that I just, it never became overwhelming. I never got tired of it. I just, I wanted to provide that education because I was also learning and keeping up with my own um, education and skills. But I do miss the emergency department, but I love this role because it gives me an opportunity to reach people in all areas of the institution. And for me, it's been a great opportunity to learn more about our institution and how how different areas work and interact with one another. And maybe they do it like this in one area and we can bring recommendations to an, uh, another area to say, hey, have you talked to, you know, the folks in, on 80s? This is how they do it, things or, or, you know, whatever the example might be. So I think having that broader view, that bird's eye view of how things function in the institution has been really eye-opening and really interesting. And then I get to bring that back to the population I've enjoyed working with the most, which is our new grad population. And I just, I do, I love our classes. I love seeing everybody. I love hearing their stories. I love sharing my story and, and just helping them grow. And then really seeing that, that growth throughout the year that we're working with them and 
if you've ever come to a graduation day, you'll know that I just cry like a baby. <laughs> I'm just so proud of them. They're like all of my chil- uh, children. I just, I'm so proud of them. And I remember what it felt like to hit that one year mark and how monumental it is that you're like, wow, I, I didn't think I was going to get here. And here I am. And I'm not only did I succeed, I'm flourishing. And I, I just, it's just an exciting time in people's lives. And I just, I literally, I, I, I try to talk at graduation and I can't get three words out before I start crying. So I love working with this population of nurses. They're, they're fantastic. My favorite thing about the job is working with Stephanie. Uh, that is actually the one of my favorite things to do. And I, I am so happy that Stephanie is there and we can do this together and be each other's supports. And it's been really amazing. I would say that for me, probably, I think one of my favorite things and something I always focus on is no one told me, right? No one told me this. And I love when people say like, I, you're right. I haven't heard this yet. Or no one told me this. And now I know. And I won't make this mistake, or at least I know I have this resource now. I feel better prepared. I feel as though I can go into work and I'm going to have something meaningful to contribute. And I think that, you know, all of those things, every time I hear that, I I feel like, okay, we've like reached one more person. We've empowered one more person. And that's something that's just so meaningful because, you know, I never want people to feel like they're in it alone or that they don't even know where to go, right? I don't, like, I assume this doesn't exist because I don't know about it. And, and we try to bring that to them to say, like, if there's a problem, there's a solution. Wait, there's someone here in this hospital that exists who can help you. Um, and we, uh, you know, expose them to all of that. So they may not remember everything we tell them. You know, what they do remember is there is, you know, we. Ha- I remember we were in class and I had someone say this, like, I remember you said there's this resource available. And so I just, I went on the internal web and I searched for it and I found it. And it was so great because all these nurses in my area didn't know about it. And so then they get to start teaching experienced nurses about things that they learn. So that's, mm-hmm. I'd say that's probably the most rewarding thing. Well, I have to say that listening to your words, uh, both of you, both Lauren and Steph, and hearing your passion just come flowing, you know, it's so amazing. But also being witness to the new grads and the graduates of your program, we are so lucky to have you guys. And just seeing the work that you do, how lucky are those new nurses? I think of way back when, I'm going to say when dinosaurs walked the earth, when I was a new grad, there was nothing like this out there for us. And I just think the way that we're able to pull resources together and to support a program like the TNP program it just shows you that Children's is invested in nursing and growing our own. I know a lot of our new grads that enter your program have been clinical assistants in clinical areas throughout the hospital. So again, that just shows that we're committed to growing our own and to really supporting nurses really throughout. So kudos to you guys for all the work you do. Thank you. That was very kind of you. And I just want to add, you know, the support that both of you are providing extends beyond the new grads. I know I've been in situations where I've reached out when we've had, you know, our new grads uh, running into some challenges on the unit. And the support that you've provided to us has, I really think, was key in giving insight to help us have a number of our new grads succeed. Well, there's a success story. It's so nice. We certainly try. So if a new grad or a new nurse is interested in our program, how would they find out more information? It's really interesting you ask that question because typically what I get is, how do I apply? 
So I'll answer that one first, um, which is that we actually don't post any newly licensed nurse positions externally um, with the rest of our job postings. So there are no positions posted there. And Why so is that? And two reasons. The hiring managers need to be able to balance the skill mix of who they're hiring. And so they won't know until they get certain applicants. Am I getting someone who only has a year of adult med surge? versus someone who has 15 years of pediatric medical um, experience. And so they balance how many new grads are going to be hiring based on the applicants of experienced nurses in addition to the positions that they have open. So if they have eight positions open, what are my what does my applicant pool look like? And then for experience and skill mix, how can I balance new grads with that? So that's one part of it. And the other part is we have so many interested applicants that if we were to post positions, then we'd have so many more. And so you do have to be a little bit of a detective to find out how to apply. And uh, that's just to keep uh, the numbers a little bit restricted for our talent acquisition department. The way that people would apply, so anyone who listens to this, you're more than welcome to apply. Um, but the way that you apply is actually by emailing tnpprogram at childrens.harvard.edu. And you submit your cover letter and resume. And those go through to talent acquisition and they screen all of them. And then they will call people back if there is interest based on that information. In terms of learning more about the program and the education and support that we offer, we always tell people to reach out to us and we're happy to have a conversation. Um, we will do some, I, you know, from time to time, I have people who reach out who want to know more. So kind of have, you know, a standard response of what the, the classes entail in our structure. But we are also willing to have conversations with people just so that they can have those specific questions answered. That's great information. Thank you. So now I just want to challenge you both and say to you, if I were a new grad, why should I choose Boston Children's and come to your program? Obviously, because we're number one. We're the best. That's why you should come. I would say that if you are really passionate about pediatrics, and that's probably the first part of it, right? And being passionate about pediatrics to me is not just the children we care for, right? But their families and really wanting that partnership with patients and their family members. I think that's why you should come. But then if you're a new grad and those are really your interests and what you want to do, then I think part of our program is if you're looking for that additional support to make it through this first year, I think that we provide a variety of supports as well as education and information for you to help you succeed in whatever clinical environment that you end up in. Sold. I'll apply tomorrow. <laughs> See, there's not much that you can add to that. That was pretty, uh, pretty concise. But yeah, I think that we just offer a variety of resources and really want um, to support the newly licensed nurse as they transition. And Boston Children's is a great institution to do that because we do have a lot of resources availability here. We have really great staff and a well-supported team. Um, and I think it's just a really great place to grow and learn. And I love it. I do not foresee myself working anywhere else but Boston Children's for the duration of my career. That's awesome. I feel like you gave us a great review of the program and really taught me a lot too, just knowing the details about the program that I previously didn't know. And this is great because we're up for reaccreditation in 2024. Are there any other 
folks that are part of your team? I know that the whole CEI supports the TNP program as well, but I feel like you two are, it's your baby. It's your program. We, we are the people. I would say that Emily Crossan and Dennis Doherty would be the, the next in line of those who know as much about the program as we do. Although um, since Stephanie joined, we have become such a great duo that we have mostly um, let them have their time uh, no longer as part of the program. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really us. Great. And no, not to create more work for CEI, but it could be a, a you know, a second tier of it. You know, uh, you get to a certain point, you know, once you get past the, you know, advanced novice. We do actually have a program. It's called Finding Direction, RN Career Advancement Opportunities, Pathways, sorry. It's a four-hour workshop that we do, and we typically, we do send an invite out to all of the recent new graduate nurses from the TMP program. We send it out to people in like that one and a half to three-year mark, but we've also advertised it throughout the institution. But really our aim is to try and talk about, we recognize that not everybody's career trajectory is at the bedside, and we know that. Obviously, we're examples of that. So we want to provide opportunity and education to nurses throughout the institution about where their career could go in the future. And what we talk about um, advancement to staff nurse level two and level three. But we also talk about what are some professional development activities that you could get involved in or should consider doing that might introduce you to a new field of nursing or a new specialty within nursing or a new practice that you could get involved in. You know, what could that lead to? Right now, I mean, we talked about four major branches of graduate degree nursing. So talk about informatics, education, leadership and management, and then APRN. And we just talk about what do those programs look like? What are the requirements when you're in those programs? And what are some of the activities that you might already be doing or might consider doing that should say like, wow, education would be a really great realm of nursing for me to get involved in. Or, you know, I actually do think I want to be an advanced practice nurse and I, I like having autonomy and, and mm-hmm. creating the care plan from patients. And so I'm going to explore, go, you know, going to grad school for that because again, we recognize that not everybody's career is going to be at the bedside. And so we want to give them opportunities to know that we want to keep you here at Children's, even if you want to be in a different role. So we want to support you in exploring other educational opportunities and other positions. And so learning and development and HR come, they also do a piece on resume building. And again, some of the professional development opportunities and workshops that you can get involved in. And they talk about some of the partnerships that we have with colleges and the you know, discounts that you can get for going to different places and what their programs look like. And we're certainly trying to promote that program. We think it's very valuable. There's a lot of great information in there, but it was kind of actually born from this idea that we were providing some of that during the new grad, the TMP program, mm-hmm. but we, they were like not in a headspace that that yeah. was even something they were considering or thinking Thanks. about. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now instead we do a career mapping activity with them on their graduation day to get them thinking about what are some of the things that you enjoy or what are some of the things you could see yourself doing in the future. Steph, what's the name of the program again? So it's called Finding Direction RN Career Advancement Pathways. We had somebody sign up for it that worked in the trust once and we were like, this is probably not what you're looking for. We didn't have RN in there. It just was career advancement opportunities. Okay, gotcha. Now, how often are you offering it? So right now we offer it two times a year from 8 a.m. to 12 noon. You can sign up for it through Simpler Learning. 
this this is like an amazing like another opportunity too for people to realize the value of like you can continue your career at children's but just the opportunities and give you some direction like it's really hard right when you think about it you know uh, really up until you start your career you've been told at every next step right mm-hmm. you you know whatever it is i go i go to high school and on to the next grade and then i graduate and i go to college and i go to my four year nursing program and then I'm supposed to get a job and I get a job. And then you get through that first year, which is really challenging. And you kind of think, well, what's next? Like, <laughs> what do I do next? And if you maybe don't have the right supports or people around you who are offering up what their advice and opinions are, you don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So, yeah, we we were really targeting people to say what's next doesn't have to be I leave and go get another job somewhere else. What's next can be right here. Um, and, you know, growing you professionally and and maybe, you know, getting an advanced degree and changing your role. So mm-hmm. we had had a couple of unit based educators reach out and say, I'm getting a lot of I feel like I'm fielding a lot of questions about grad school. And what does that look like? And should I consider that? And I don't know how to answer those questions. Um, so that was a bit, that was part of the push into developing a program like this. But I also remember having that conversation. I'll never forget it. I was in the e hallway and the emergency department. Michelle Moore walked by me. I don't know how we got into the conversation. I but I was like, I just am looking for something else in nursing. Like I love bedside, but I'm not. I, I feel like something's missing. And she mm-hmm. was like, When did you graduate? And I told her, and she goes, Oh, you're at the five year itch. You need to. You need to go back. It's time to go back to grad school. Yeah. And, and so sometimes it is just having a mentor to say like, Oh, you should consider this. And and so hopefully this program allows us to kind of summarize what all of your options are and. Give you a snapshot into what that might look like um, and how you could get involved so that you know that that's the right path for you and timing is everything because you have to approach that person at the right time when they're ready to hear it like you said yeah. i wasn't wasn't thinking but now i'm looking right and yeah maybe it was at that five-year mark so it's awesome yeah one person came and she said everyone who's going level two needs to take this class i don't know like we should get everyone should be in here. Like she's like, if you had had this, you know, a year ago, I would have changed my whole trajectory. Now I'm in and P school. And that's actually not what I really want to do. And now I feel stuck. And I, I was like, well, I was hoping we, it would be. I mean, she gave a very positive review, but it was she was almost like, I just wish I had this earlier. <laughs> and I think about how many times during an interview, a young nurse will say, uh, you know, about going back to school. And I'm like, how could you even determine that at this point till you get out and test drive nursing a little bit? We have a young nursing professional group that was started in inpatient medicine. Erin Quinlan was amazing. BRT belongs. I'm like, should have you guys come to one of their meetings and talk about it? Because I can see a lot of interest. You know, it's kind of the young nursing professional group. They invite everybody that comes through as um, a new hire on the the medical units to join it. But this is like perfect. You know, once you get beyond your TNP, these kids that are already thinking about going back to school, it's like take a pause and go to this and listen. Yeah. Think before you jump into a program. You know, well, I need to get the word out for your program. I think. Yeah, that's absolutely. Not. That's all. Well, congratulations on such a successful program. It's awesome. And the impact you have on the institution is just phenomenal. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by the Innovation Digital Health Accelerator, Boston Children's Hospital, with support from the emergency department and our inpatient medicine programs. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Small Talk Podcast.